Hey y'all, how you doing? I'm Elena and welcome back to Inside College Admissions, a podcast presented by SCORE. Today's episode is another great one for the books and it's part two of College 101, where I ask other college grads about their personal favorite hacks that can save you time, money, and pretty much everything in college. If you're new to the What I Wish I Knew Before College series or haven't already listened to part one of College 101, go on back and take a listen. Everyone's hacks are ones that you won't want to miss, including what class times to definitely avoid and different ways to spice up classic dining hall food. I also give my own college hacks too. So if you haven't heard it already, it involves shoving yourself into an existing friend group to make friends, which is personally approved by yours truly, and using your student discount for literally everything. We've got timestamps in the description. So if you want to jump around to different bits of advice, feel free. Okay, now I'm so excited for you to hear the episode. It's time to ask grads about their college hacks. Hey, Caroline. Hi, Elena. I'm super excited to talk about your college hacks. So you mentioned taking care of yourself and getting enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And I really like that you said the library may stay open all night, but that doesn't mean you need to stay there. Yeah, that's really, really sound advice. I feel like sometimes college gets a reputation for pulling all-nighters and Mm -hmm. staying up till 2 a.m. doing homework when sometimes literally going to bed is the best option. Yeah, I think too, college can be a competitive place, right? Mm -hmm. I am certainly a competitive person and I was fortunate to go to a college community that was really supportive and collaborative, but I couldn't help but, you know, in my competitive mind, go to the library and see other students staying there for much longer than me. And, you know, I couldn't help but think, am I doing something wrong? Like, should I be here studying all night? Again, the library is open all night. Should I be making use of that? Should I be staying here and looking for more work? And I had to recognize that that wasn't a healthy mindset or habit Mm -hmm. to get into. Um, So just because the the library is open all night or open until 2 a.m., like my library was at Dickinson, go to sleep. (laughs) You know, close your laptop, close those books and get some good sleep because you will feel so much better the next day. And you're also likely to retain information um, in a more productive way than cramming and pulling an all-nighter for a paper or an exam. I think about my mom when I'm talking about this because she would always give me advice and encourage me to, you know, just go to sleep. (laughs) It'll all feel better tomorrow. I promise you spending two more hours in the library and, and trying to cram you're better off just getting a good night's sleep, waking up fresh, having a good breakfast, going to class. I think that's a really important lesson to learn. Of course, easier said than done. Yeah, no, that's that's really true. And it's one of those hard lessons that you have to learn in college. But like you said, if your study spot is a library and you see people staying there until 2 a.m., mm-hmm. it almost becomes a competition or... I don't know who can get the least sleep, like who can stay up the latest and what's the point? Because the next day you're going to be so tired and it's just Mm going to compound on itself. You can't pour from an empty cup. So sometimes you really just need to go to sleep and get some rest. Super well said. Exactly. And, you know, it's okay to take naps too on the weekends. It's okay to lay low and, you know, take care of yourself refueling yourself in different ways, whether that's sleep or exercise or, you know, just taking a break from screens and studying, you know, you really do want to be your best and most well-rounded self. And that's going to be when you are, I think the most successful academically and socially. So 
yeah, get some shut eye when you can. It's, it's so, so important to take care of your body and your mind while at college. Yeah. Any tips for people who, let's say it's finals, there's not a lot of time, they have to get the work done. Any tips for getting that sleep in or sort of prioritizing what gets done when? Yeah. I'm a huge advocate for making lists. I mm. find it really helpful to write everything down that I have to get done and cross things off. And maybe it's a simple thing, you know, <laughs> going and getting a snack or yeah. taking a nap or, you know, going to office hours, you're retaking notes on a class or the exam you're preparing for. I am someone who likes to be able to cross things off and you know have some appreciation for what I've gotten done. And it makes it a little bit more manageable, kind of breaking things out into chunks and seeing what I need to tackle and maybe pushing things off until the next day. But mm-hmm. uh, again, <laughs> to credit my mom, she always recommended starting with the thing you want to do the least, right? Whatever yeah. is maybe the most stressful or you know the most daunting, start that first right? And, and take a look at that paper or prompt, whatever it might be, and, and start there. And yeah. everything else will feel a little bit easier, or at least you've gotten a start on that big beast of a project that you didn't <laughs> even want to think about yesterday. That would be my advice. That's really great advice, Caroline. I'm going to take that and put it into my own life now, <laughs> even being out of college. <laughs> yes. Always making lists, always crossing things off and feeling accomplished whenever I can. It goes a long way. (laughs) Yeah. Making those things, even like sleep, feel like it's an accomplishment. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is great. Yeah. So glad I could share them with you and good luck to all the students out there. (laughs) You know, get some sleep while you can and enjoy every minute of it. Thanks, Caroline. Yeah. Thank you. Caroline's advice is so calming. Sometimes the best option really is to go to sleep and start fresh in the morning. Our next grad has a unique college hack for us, so here goes. Hey, Paul. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to get into your college hacks. Awesome. Let's get into it. So you mentioned that you went to college in an area with a lot of restaurants and had a really interesting approach to your meal plan, or rather lack of a meal plan. It was something different than what I had done. So could you tell us a little bit more about what you did when it came to getting food at college? This, this really applies if you're going to school in any sort of city where there's food trucks all over the place, there's different cuisine that isn't available, you know, wherever you came from. I found that the meal plan options at the, whatever the school cafeteria is are usually, you know, all right. But by your, you know, second semester of freshman year, you're going to get really sick of it because it's pretty yeah. much the same weekly rotation every week, all year. And even if there are a couple favorites there, it's... It's overpriced and yeah. you probably won't end up using all of the meals you paid for anyway. Like anyone who signs up for the the three square meals a day, seven days a week plan, you're not going to use them all. Yeah. Instead, what I did was I, I took out student loans um, and I took out money for the meal plan, but just never used it for a meal plan and instead Sorry. used that money to get food anywhere else I wanted. So you could go to like a local Chinese place, uh, any restaurant really there. There was tons of food trucks on my campus, little bodegas and little mom and pop shops all over. And the food was, you know, nine times out of 10, excellent. And, uh, you know, 99 times out of a hundred was always, (laughs) it was better than whatever the cafeteria had that day. Plus you're not restricted in how you use it. If you, if you eat a little less that week, it's not like you lost those meal plans and you just wasted all that money. You still have whatever amount you can next week, you know, get a couple of pizzas and you didn't lose anything. Yeah. 
that's really, really true because on those weeks where you don't want to eat at the dining hall or maybe you're sick or something and you don't want to walk all the way over to the dining hall, you can get the food that you actually want. You don't waste any money. And a lot of times with the meal plan options, sometimes they're great and sometimes they're affordably priced. But a lot of the times, if you actually divide the amount you're paying for the meal plan by however many meals it is, Mm -hmm. it's like $25 a meal for the dining hall. For breakfast, you could go somewhere and get eggs and bacon and toast and it would be $8. Exactly. Yeah. When you, when you find out you're getting a waffle and some cereal and you're paying $20 for it, you realize yeah. the, uh, you're, you're not getting the best deal. No, that's definitely the way to go. If you're in an area, even if you get a smaller meal plan so that you can get food on campus if you yeah. want, and then have that money for if you're able to drive off campus or go on the shuttle and get food. Yeah. That's probably the best of both worlds. Get the, get a really small meal plan probably because you, if you end up going to the cafeteria for whatever reason, you don't want to pay full price. Like a lot right. of times, even when I, while I was doing this, my roommates would go to the cafeteria and sometimes you just want to join them because you were in the middle of talking and you want yeah. to continue the camaraderie. So yeah, having a small meal plan is probably good and just use the difference of what you would have paid for the food you actually want. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a good way to, to, to split the difference there. That's it. I'm always looking for a deal. Never pay full price for fabulous. With that, never pay full price for the meal plan. <laughs> There you go. Well, thank you so much for your advice. These are really great hacks. Of course. Thanks for talking. Thanks, Paul. I really enjoyed hearing Paul's perspective on the meal plan options. It definitely all depends on where you go to school. Next, we've got a great money-saving tip from another grad. So let's hear it. Hey, Noah. Hi. We wanted to talk today about your college hacks. And one of the ones that you said is seriously something that guided me through every year of college and that's wait until you know you need the textbook to buy it yes yeah there really are at least and i know this does differ um between majors but at Mm -hmm. least for my major which was computer science the first semester i got to college i dropped like three hundred dollars on the textbooks from from the various classes and you know got whatever I could cheaply off Amazon or mm-hmm. even, maybe it was Chegg where you can like rent them and send them back and yeah and all these various services and then I realized like three four weeks in that most professors never used them yep not once they would publish really detailed lecture notes online they'd have occasional excerpts but they would provide those like they would email them out mm-hmm and anything else was not in the textbook. Like I had one class that required one textbook, but basically taught it completely off a different textbook. No. And, and that meant that my second semester, I didn't buy a single textbook. Yep. I went in and I basically was like, okay, we're going to go through these first two weeks and I'll only buy the textbook if I'm being assigned problems out of it consistently. If I really need that backup on hand reading material, I can't possibly agree more. First semester, it happens. You drop a ton of money on the textbooks, you rent them, whatever, and then realize you didn't need half of them. But you're completely right. Sometimes professors just say they have a textbook that's required, but it actually isn't. I don't know if it's a suggestion, but usually a lot of times the textbook is not required. So then you don't need to buy it. You maybe don't even need to rent it. 
but it is super important to check if it is required or not. Like you said, if you get problems assigned out of it, you're probably going to need the textbook. Sometimes textbooks have codes and they're unique login codes. So you actually do need the textbook. If they don't, one person in the class can buy the textbook and you all can share it. Like there are so many ways to hack having to buy a textbook that it's worth it just to email the professor and ask during that first week, do we actually need the textbook? Is it required? And a lot of times they'll tell you if it is or isn't. They absolutely will. And a lot of them will even provide suggestions if you don't want to invest the resources in getting it. Yeah. They understand, you know, professors are more than anything there to teach you. And they might be required to say that, yes, a textbook is required because of some college curriculum, right. but they might say it is required, but have you checked entry number blank in the library? And you go and look in the library and the textbook is in the school library. Yes. And that was something that I didn't learn for like three years of college. And then I had a professor who was like, I was like, hey, I really don't want to drop $200 on this textbook. You know, I get it, but come on, this is three months of my life and $200 is a lot to ask on top of tuition. Right. And they're like, hey, you know, we understand that. Have you looked at the library? Yes. And I just couldn't believe it. And, and there it was. They had like 30 copies of the textbook in the library. And that was it. Definitely. It's, it's worth it. I can't stress it enough just to ask. And then you might be really happy with the results and not have to spend money, which is the best hack of all. Yes. And one of the things you mentioned was that you can share a textbook among a group of friends or mm -hmm. just a group of classmates. You don't even really need to know them that well. And most people are more than happy to go in on a textbook and just not have to worry about buying their own textbook that they're not going to use after this class anyway. That's so true. You don't have to be best friends with somebody to not want to spend $200 and you could all pool it together. This was really awesome. You had such great advice. All of this is so good. So thank you so, so much. I'm happy to have been able to help. Noah is 100% right. It's so worth it to check if you really need your textbook before buying it. And even then there are lots of options that could save you money. Our last grad has great advice too. So let's get into it. Hi, Anna. Hi, Elena. Thanks so much for joining me to talk about your college hacks. Thanks for having me here. So your college hacks were ones that I wish you told me before I started college, but now we'll share them with the masses. So <laughs> your college hack was to make friends with people in your major and to be there for each other. This is super important. And like I said, something I wish I did more of in college. Can you talk a little more about this? Did you make a lot of friends in your major? Yeah, so I was a graphic design major and our major had less than 50 people in it and they set us up where our first term it was at Drexel was a 10-week term and we had the same classes with one half and then the other half had the same classes. So it was great that we were kind of set up to be friends and not only that, but we kind of let that be our first friend group at college. So it was, you know, us hanging out together after class, us doing our work together because it's graphic design. It's a lot of studio time, less of quiet library time. So, you know, we were doing projects together. We were helping each other out. We were going to make runs to get supplies and, you know, 
asking if anyone else needed some extra ink or extra paper. So that was incredible. And that got us through all the hours that we had to spend in the studio. But I think even for people that do not have a major that's maybe, you know, a lot of studio or lab time, even if you just have mostly lectures together, there's something so special about being friends with those people that are going through the same classes as you, they have the same interests as you, even if you're not best friends with them, they are your first network that you have within your field. And you're going to be able to look out for each other. When I have people from old jobs that ask me if I can refer anyone, the first people I think of are the people in my major. I remember how well certain people worked. I remember their strengths. That's really, really good advice. And you're right. Aside from your orientation group, which I feel like always has a special place in your heart, the people in your major are your first automatic set of friends, or at least just automatic set of people who are doing the same thing as you. you. You obviously can make friends across majors, and you should for sure, but if you can find friends in your major, you can take certain classes together past your first year. And you can go in with someone who you know, that way you're not entering a class alone, which is not the worst thing, but it's also kind of nice to have someone to bounce things off of. Or you can study together. Honestly, you can even just complain about the same stuff together because you know what the other person is going through. Yeah. And it's amazing how maybe on the surface, it seems like you don't have very many similarities outside of class, but you're always going to have those classes that you're going through together, those professors that were amazing or not amazing, you can kind of really help each other out there. Definitely. Another thing that you said for your college hack was to ask for feedback often. And I think that's a very uncommon and interesting advice. So who are the kinds of people, professors, roommates, that you think people should ask for feedback from and feedback on what? Being in graphic design classes, it was kind of part of the nature of the major where we were getting up in front of the classes and presenting our work and just open to hearing feedback from anyone, positive, negative. We were not that mean to each other. Luckily, it was constructive (laughs) feedback. But I also found that when I would take some of my design projects home to my dorm and kind of ask for feedback from people that were not studying design, did not see this through a design eye, I got some really interesting feedback. So I think never hurts to just get feedback from someone that's maybe unexpected. Not only do you have those friends that you have made in your major, but you have people that are outside of your major that are learning completely different things and can come with a whole new perspective. That's really great advice that I don't think I learned until my junior year of college. But like you said, seeking out people who are not doing the same thing that you're doing. So one of my roommates was an education major. So if she had an activity for her student teaching class, she would show it to us and see what we came up with Mm. to sort of gauge, like, is the message coming across to the students? Is this activity worthwhile? Stuff like that. And I would do the same thing with my marketing stuff. So I would, I would give no context and show them something that I made or a subject line for an email, anything like that, and see what they thought. It's that kind of feedback that you don't get if you're only siloed in your own head, because it makes sense to you, of course, but getting that feedback from others can really make things a lot easier. 
Yeah. And it's really any major, any project you're working on, if it's simple and it's good, then it wouldn't need an explanation. So not only are your professors an amazing resource, but kind of getting that feedback outside of them. When the professor knows the class, knows the assignment, it's a new way to improve what you're working on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this awesome advice, Anna. I really appreciate you sharing your college hacks with us. Thanks so much, Alina. I love Anna's advice. Getting different perspectives and asking for feedback is so important in college and in work, friendships, and everywhere else. So that is College 101. Honestly, I wrote some of these tips down because my past self wishes that she knew them. Next up in the series, we're sharing our ultimate college packing list and things that you definitely should and should not bring to school with you. If you want to hear more from this series, make sure you follow our Instagram at Score Inc. and check out our other podcast episodes with advice for getting ready for college. I've loved sharing all the college advice and fun stories with y'all so far, and I'm so excited for you to get started on your own college journeys. Thank you so much for listening. That's all from me. And remember, you've got this and I'm cheering you on. See ya.